Chicago hard, Chicago hard, Chicago hard. Up and into them, right from the start of the game. Chicago State of Mind. We are a Chicago sports podcast from the perspectives of Southside guys with an unapologetic Chicago bias. If this city could talk, it would say Chicago versus everybody. A-Dub is back. A-Dub, what's good? Hey, what's going on, friends? Man, welcome back, bro. Welcome back. Hey, man, appreciate it, man. It feels so good to be back, friends. Hey, man, I got to say thank you for reaching out, checking in on me and everything else, along with family, friends, and, and you know, and I appreciate all that, man. Courtney, I also appreciate any of the fans listening to the show, thoughts and prayers. Appreciate that, too. Yes, sir. And like I said, we had a lot of people that was saying, hey, man, we hope he comes back. We hope uh, for a speedy recovery. And the biggest thing that we talked about when A-Dub and I chopped it up, focus on your health, get back healthy, man. We'll hold down the fort. DC and I held down the fort for you last week. Oh, man, you guys did a great job holding it down, Perez. So thank you both. Now you got to return the favor because DC is not is now out this week. I feel like you two playing musical chairs around here now. <laughs> I always tell people, if your body is 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 signaling anything, it's better to err on the side of caution than for you to find out something too late. Yeah, you're right about that, man. I'm thankful that, hey, I went in early and caught it early. Well, man, well, let's, let's get into it, man. So, audience, as always, this show is brought to you by Crave It. Please join us on our exclusive community at Chicago Versus. The Crave It app can be found on Apple and Android applications. So, hey, Dev, I thought we would open the show by discussing this Major League Baseball lockout. Now, I talked to the audience when, man, in the summer, we some of our earlier episodes, and I talked about my love of baseball was affected when I was a young kid with the strike that happened in 94. So now we got a little bit of a lockout situation. A-Dub, what are your thoughts there on this lockout? Because when I look at this, I look at owners and the players, and I'm like, man, all y'all motherfuckers is rich, man. Can y'all just sit down and figure this shit out? <laughs> yeah, that's one thing you always worry about, friends. There's always two sides to this. You know, you want, you want to feel like the other side is trying to get over on you, right? So I know the players like, hey, I don't want the owners to get over one of us. It's a lot of money on the table. We want our fair share of the revenue. We want our fair share when it comes down to being treated, you know, uh, fairly, when it comes down to arbitration and all those different things. So you know how I go, Perez. As the years go on, things change. Well, I look at a guy like Chris Bryant. Now, he's one of those guys that's in limbo right now because he did not get signed before the lockout came into play. So he's one of those free agents that is in limbo. That's a guy right there that's pretty valuable. And I even posed on Twitter on our account. I said, hey, Cubs fans. Any chance that you think Chris Bryant will come back? And a lot of the people were hopeful, but a lot of people also are very pessimistic and said, no way, Jose. Because <laughs> it all comes down to fighting at you. That's a big part of it. So if he's not with us, you know, I'm a huge Cub fan. You know, I, I get it. He can go and do his own thing with another team. But I definitely, I would be the one with the ones who would welcome back if he was able to come back to the Cubs. 
Yeah. Now you mentioned when you were talking through this lockout situation that it's two sides, right? And with anything, there's always two sides to a story. And in this two sides to this debate. So one of the things that I was kind of looking through with this situation is I was saying, what is it that the players want? So I saw that Max Scherzer, he basically came out and said, unless this collective bargaining agreement completely addresses the competition issues and the fact that the younger players don't get paid, they said yeah. there's no way that he puts his name on it. And I agree with that because you saw, speaking of Chris Bryant, how the Cubs manipulated his service time. They put him in the minors to start that one season and say he needed some seasoning when they knew that he was ready. But they were trying to get him under control for another year. And that's what these organizations have done with these young, talented ball players under this old collective bargaining agreement. So it looks like a lot of these guys are like, fuck them. We're sick of you guys doing this and manipulating our service time. Yeah, man, that service time is huge, Chris. You're talking about three years, right? The third year of arbitration, then that sixth year, right? So when you become a free agent. So yeah, that's a huge year, man. That's a big year. And you talk about the company saving money, the organization, they save a lot of money on somebody, you know, who's not at a free agent market yet. So yeah, man, I definitely understood Chris Bryant's situation. I knew what the Cubs were doing, you know. I could not hide from that press. I was like, yeah, they wanted to get him for that extra year. They tried to go through that process. But I totally get where Chris Bryant was at with this. Well, but he's not the only one. This has been happening to young talent all over Major League Baseball. So that's why yes. it's awesome with a guy at Scherzer's level is using his influence to speak out. But then the other point that he made in regards to competition is something that I've been kind of thinking about. You have teams in Major League Baseball, we've seen it for years, the Pittsburgh Pirates. They tanked year after year after year. They got rid of all their high-salary players and had a bunch of low-salary guys, and they were okay winning 65, 70 games because they were like, fuck it, we'll get high draft picks, and that's how we're going to build this thing out. And so their payroll was always very slim, which means when you have no competition, your league is very top-heavy. But then on top of that, think about your veteran ball players when they're a free agent that's one less team that's going to be looking at them because they're not going to pay a veteran five or six million when they can get a minor league guy to come up and play for half a million. Chris, excellent point, man, because that's a big deal. When you talk about these teams, you know, while I'm tanking, right, um, and not paying players, that's a big deal, you know. But the other thing is a lot of these uh, teams get to save a lot of money, Chris. You're talking about a team that don't spend a lot of payroll, and some of your payroll, like, for example, a team like Miami and Pittsburgh, they only spend somewhere around $70 million. So that's a big deal, huge deal. It really is. But then when you think about it on the other side, you got a lot of these owners, like the owners of the, the Marlins, for instance. Now, they're looking at this like, we'll have a slim budget here, and we'll try to recoup whatever we can revenue-wise, right? But then at the same time, they're not really prioritizing putting a winning product out there on the field. So we're seeing that across baseball. But then also, when you think about the owners – the last few times that they've had to go into negotiations against the player association, they've come out both times, in my opinion, on top. They got what they wanted in those deals, and the owners got the good side of the coin. Right now, I think the biggest thing that they're probably pushing for, A-Dub, and we saw this during the pandemic, they wanted more playoff teams in the field of competition because more teams, that's more revenue. That gives more teams right. the opportunity to get that playoff revenue. So I think that these owners are going to be pushing for more teams than making it to the playoffs, just like it was during that pandemic season. And the thing is, Fred, I got no issue with them pushing that part of it, right? Get more teams in. Some of the players are looking at all this like, okay, you want more games, you want this, you want that. Where does it come for us financially, right? 
So they're looking at the revenue that's being generated. They want part of that cut. When I look at this, I hope that they could just sit down at the table and get this stuff figured out. Because at the same time, I would hope that both sides realize that while, yeah, you guys are having your grievances with one another, but think about the fans. Think about the young kids out there, the young fans that love this game, love this sport. You don't want to do to these young fans what happened to the fans of our generation. Get there, make the deals, get whatever it is that you guys want figured out. Now, one thing that I would love to see them figure out here is a universal DH. I never understood Ooh. why they don't have a DH in the, in the National League. I never understood that. That's that's hopefully something, A-Dub, that they put into this new CBA. I'm a big National League fan, and it will be good to have a DH in the National League permanently, and that will help, you know, again, speed the game up, more runs, all that stuff. But it's always been cool to see what that does in the AL, right? That's a big factor on a lot of teams when you have a pitcher actually hitting. So that DA spot going to be huge, man. I hope they can get that together. Yeah, that's one part of it. But the other part is the National League. You run the risk of one of your high-valued pitchers getting hurt batting. He can get hit by a pitch. Or if he's on base and running the bases, he can pull a hamstring or get injured that way. So I've always just wondered, hey, let the pitcher pitch. Get a DH in there and let them just fucking do what they need to do. Yeah, man. Let them do the work, man. So, I mean, it just makes the baseball, to me, more exciting when you have that DH. It does save the pitcher from um, sustaining any kind of injuries running the bases. Because you know those guys, man, don't let they any kind of shape or run the bases like that. We'll definitely see what happens here. But right now, everything's at a standstill. Uh, no free agents can sign. None of the teams can do anything. Everybody's locked out right now. But if I had to guess... In my heart of hearts, I think that they'll probably pick up some sort of negotiations probably around mid-January. I don't necessarily know if they're going to hit that deadline, you know, when pitchers and catchers report. I don't think that we'll have a deal in place by then, but I'm hopeful, A-Dub, that they can at least sit down and try to get to the table here and try to hammer out the details of a new CBA. Yeah, man, I hope they can do this with a little bit more urgency, Perez. Hopefully they can get it done and get it done faster than what we're at right now. Yeah, because like I said, at the end of the day, think about the fans. They're the ones that matter. And I hope that that's also in the part of their discussions as well of making sure that the season is preserved and doing what's best for not only the game, but also just doing what's in the best interest of the people that support the game and also finance the game, if we're being honest. Yeah, good point, man. Because, you know, a lot of fans like you and I, friends, we love baseball. I mean, we love other sports, too but we love baseball, and that's a part of it, man. The excitement around baseball, so especially opening day for us, people get really excited about that. So I hope they can get this whole thing worked out, man. I hope so, too. Well, speaking about excitement, we're going to switch gears here because the University of Illinois, they had their Big Ten opener against Brucker's University, and I was in the building for that, A-Dub, covering it live. And I would say, man, State Farm Center, that place was jumping for that first game. Rutgers, very tough, formidable opponent. Ron Harper Jr., whose father played for the Bulls. Ron Harper Sr., NBA champion, great player in the NBA. Well, his son plays for Rutgers. And Adel, when I look at this matchup with Illinois, they had a nice little win here. I mean, they took it to Rutgers. And one of the things when I look at this matchup was the fact that there was a scout report on Ron Harper Jr. going into this game is that he's a very dominant guy using his right hand and Coleman Hawkins from the University of Illinois this guy did a phenomenal job in this game a dub 
of shutting down Ron Harper Jr. You could tell they had their keys as far as that scouting report was done, and Coleman Hawkins took that matchup personal. Yeah, man. He really did, Prez, because he was up in on him, man. Ron Harper Jr. struggled. He really did struggle against him. I think Ron Harper only had about five points that game, but he was on him the whole entire um, game, man. And it was a difficult night for Ron Harper Jr. You know, and it's really interesting, audience, and also UAW, in the post-game presser, some people in the media were asking him about that matchup, and he said two things. He said, first, Brad Underwood, the coach, went to him and said, you know Ron Harper, you remember what he did to you last year in the game, right? Second part, he said he remembered going to Rutgers on a recruiting trip. So he said he had a lot of motivation in this matchup to go ahead and show up and show out. That's what I'm talking about. That's you call pride, Prince. Pride and taking on the challenge, man. Like, hey, look, what happened last time? It's not going to happen this time. No way. And one of the things, too, in this game, so you and I, we always talk about Kofi Coburn. Now, he, he came into this matchup leading the nation in scoring. Now, in this game, he had a season-low 13 points. When he had 15 boards, he had another double-double. But the guy that I really thought helped open this game up, A-Dub, was Jacob Grandison. He came off the bench, and his three-point shooting just really opened things up for the rest of the guys out there. Yes, it did, Perez. I mean, the guy caught fire. I was like, yeah, he's carrying the team now. Grandison came in, made some big shots, Perez, some big buckets at the right time, making some big shots. Well, I mean, he was the catalyst behind why they, they blew the, the game wide open because when he came off the bench, that's when Illinois started to move away from the game. And now this, at this time, he was coming off the game in Notre Dame where he also did the same thing. And I will say this about Jacob Grandison. If he was on any other team besides Illinois, which in my opinion is a top 15 team in the country, he would be a starter. But because this team is so loaded, he comes off the bench, and that is a luxury to have a guy like that on your bench. He does play very well off Kofi Perez, so they actually would break the floor. And with him, with this dynamic three-point shooting Perez, and how even on fire, man, that dude never helped the team out. So I'm happy for him to see him get an opportunity. And matter of fact, he's actually executing. So I'll tell you, he, was, he had an efficient game, an efficient night. No, he really did. He really did. And, and, and with Brad Underwood, we DC and I talked about this last week. He's going to push his players. He's a very tough-minded coach. And he coaches his team hard. But you could tell that he has the respect of his players because in the presser postgame, they talked to Jacob Grandison. The first thing that they said is like, look, we understand what coach wants. We understand that coach is going to push us to do things. And we're going to be ready to answer that challenge. And I love that. The question that I had even asked Jacob Grandison, because when I thought about it, I said, dude, (laughs) how does the fact that you guys have so many great leaders on this team so DeMonte Williams is somebody that I talk about on this show a lot. Trent Frazier. But I specifically asked him about DeMonte Williams, and I said, what does DeMonte mean to you? And his response, A-Dub, was, it's hard to describe how impactful he is. He said, I love Monte. And that just gives you just a snapshot into the identity of this team and the leadership that they have from guys like that. And you add the fact that these guys love playing with each other, love playing for each other. And like you mentioned, you know, with Williams, his leadership is more collaborative, man, bringing the team together, Chris, and playing for each other. And not only that, but I talked about on the last show how he played with the flu. That he didn't even open the, the second half of the game because he's in there throwing up against Notre Dame. And so that just goes to show you that those guys on the team, they're looking at that, and they're watching, and they're like, damn, this is the example that this guy has. Uh, Coach Underwood said, DeMonte hates missing practice. This is a senior 
that has every excuse in the book not to practice. But his coach said he hates missing practice. That is huge because that's an example. If you have your fifth-year senior that's not going to allow himself to be taken out of practice, then what excuses do you have to be sitting out? That's what you need. You know, these are guys that showing other guys on the team how to, you know, continue to be young professionals and learn to be better basketball players and knowing that, hey, practice make perfect, man. If you're out there practicing hard, going hard, it helps you become a better player on the court, man, when it's game time. When I think about this Rutgers game, this is the Illinois team preseason that everybody was expecting. And that's what we saw out there in that matchup. And I asked Coach Underwood in the presser, I said, talk to me about Jacob Grandison and just what he's brought to the team and the spark. And he was just like, look, <laughs> he said he's been a force back-to-back games. So not even just that Rutgers game, but the Notre Dame game. So he just said, this guy is very important to what we do. And if we have a guy like that who gets his shot off very quickly, because if you watch A-Dub, that guy gets his shot off so quick. It's a nice set shot jumper, and he releases it very quickly. When you talked about the fact that him playing off Kofi, now Kofi may not get a lot of assists, but what I like about Kofi is he has the great hockey assists. So his right. pass may end up leading to an assist. Exactly, exactly. Once they rotate the ball around, Perez, it, it's end up in Bredesen's hand, right? Like you yep. just said, that quick shot, bro, it's going down, man. He's been money. So, I mean, he's taking the shots. He's taking good shots, and he's cashing them in. Let's segue over to the game against Iowa. Now, this was another victory for U of I. And on the uh, press conference where we all, the media, we were talking with Coach Underwood, he was asked his thoughts on the Iowa team. And he said, this team is going to compete for a championship. He said, that's how good they are. He said, they got great depth. They're a really good team. And he talked about the fact that they got so many weapons on offense. And he said, it's amazing. And you got to think about this, A-Dub. That Iowa team, they lost two pros and they had another guy to transfer. But Keegan Murray, that dude right there is a problem. He can ball. He's a major problem. He missed that one game for them, and they struggled. But he came back. You're lucky he had something to prove against us. It took him a while to heat up a little bit. But the thing is, that guy is, is money, man. He can flat, flat out play. Keegan Murray is a star on that, on that squad, man. And also, too, A-Dub, you know what impresses me about him? His expression never changed. He's got a little bit of killer in him, don't he? <laughs> yeah, he does, man. He looked at everybody like, you come on the court, he's like, look, I got a job to do. My demeanor mm-hmm. stays the same whether I score or whether I don't score, Perez. Whether I get a dunk or not, you don't see him make any major expressions, man. He keeps the same demeanor. And this was a very competitive game. And this game against Iowa, A-Dub, this was Big Ten basketball at its finest. It was physical. Illinois is going on the road in a, in a, in a raucous Ira Hawkeyes arena. And they went out there and they got a tough victory. Kofi had another double-double. I mean, that's just what he does, right? Yeah, Kofi done very well. I know the first staff for us, we couldn't really get the ball to him. I got I to gotta give Iowa credit for their defense, their strategy. Yeah. But we, we were able to make some adjustments, right? Coach made some adjustments. The high-low, guys are penetrating, getting the ball to Kofi. And you know what Kofi's going to do. He's going to make you pay. So I got to give that props. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we did struggle against that Iowa press, though, Perez. We oh, my God. that press worth shit. I was like, damn. Yep. <laughs> And you listen, in the first half, they turned the pressure up. And I was like, they did that. They crowd started getting into the game. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I said the same thing. I said, oh, it's going to be a tough one. But these are the kind of games you need, though, Perez, to test you as a team. And it looks like, to me, Illinois passed the test. It's like, man, they struggled there. They found a way to get a victory. And I got to give Coach credit for making adjustments in that second half, man, to push them over the hump. But also, too, 
This is yet another game there. My boy Jacob Grandison snapped off again. 21 yeah. points in this game, had four three-pointers. So another strong game for him off the bench, but also Alfonso Plummer. Now, Woo. I've been talking about him pretty much for the last two or three episodes. And I said, we need somebody that's going to be able to come in here and take over that role that Io had on this team last year. It looks like Alfonso Plummer wants that role, ain't dumb. Yeah, he does, friends. Let me tell you something. When I see Plummer shoots, you know he reminds me of Travis Best, bro. I'm yes. Like, man. <laughs> I yes. see Travis Best that lefty shot. You know, he kind of showed up like Travis Best. But, man, it's, it's money, though. The shot is money. But you make a good point, man. He has stepped this game up. Hit the three ball, man. Penetrating a little bit. But, man, this guy can flat out play, though, Perez. Plummer can play, man. He really can. And Trent Frazier, he had his best game of the season. And I talked about it on last week's show. He's battling injuries, but shit. Trent Frazier was money in that game as well from behind three-point range. So we were bombing away on those cats, man. Yeah, we were, man. That three ball was going in. And then uh, when Kofi got his chance for us to do damage, he did. But you're right. We've kind of, you're right. A lot of these guys got in on it, man. Plummer, Gratison, Frazier, they all did a good job for us. You brought up a point about that Iowa Press. And that was also a really great point because we did struggle against that. But you also got to realize that we're without Andre Cabello right now. That's our That's best true. ball handler. And also, to me, if I'm being flatly honest with you, a top five point guard in the whole country. So right now, when you don't have that guy as a ball handler, that's going to definitely make things tougher for you to get the ball up the court. So you saw in the matchup, you had Trent Frazier that was trying to bring the ball up. Coleman Hawkins was trying to bring the ball up. Coleman Hawkins is very versatile. Six foot ten player. He's got a little handle to him. Corbello is Corbello. He's out. And according to Brad Underwood, it's a process, but he's still out. He's been out for a while. And you remember, Adub, earlier in the season, he had that concussion. And That's they were true. saying that he was still struggling and suffering from some head trauma. So it's probably one of those situations where they're probably trying to be very careful with the kid, worried about his long-term health over basically trying to win a couple games right now. Any U of I fan is out there making comments about the fact that Andre Cabello is not needed on this team. You need to watch the tape on him last season because this kid is a game changer. And once he comes back in this lineup, this team is going to go to that next level. Yeah, Perez, I like your thought process on this, man. Because Carbello kind of puts everyone back into their natural position. It showed even the style how much we missed him. So, man, I hope he's helped, you know, get better, Perez. I hope he's able to get through all this because you're right. Concussions, all those things, man, a big deal. We got to care. We care about these kids' long-term health. But, man, you can see he's one of the missing pieces to this team. This Him being out, wow, I'm, I can't wait for him to get back in the lineup. It's been a blessing in disguise because we've seen guys like Plummer and Grandison step up. And that's yeah. giving these guys confidence. So when Carbello gets back, now the team is stronger for other guys being able to have stepped up. And then Carbello will have to do too much either, Perez, when he comes back. He can continue to get others involved because you're right. And they are right now, they're feeling very confident and feeling very good. This team long term. Right now, this is the, the beginning part of the season. We haven't even gotten to the nuts and bolts of the Big Ten season just yet. So right now, it's, it's, it's a good time for them to get these other parts on the roster up and ready. Luke Goody, he's the freshman on the team. This kid doesn't play like a freshman. During the presser before the Iowa game, I asked him, I said, dude, your coach has a lot of confidence in you because Brad Underwood told us in the media session that Luke Goody has so many leadership qualities. And I said, this Luke, I said, how does that feel that you're a freshman and your coach is, is touting your leadership ability? And what it showed to me is 
This kid as a freshman already has the respect of his teammates because he's on the team with Trent Frazier, DeMonte Williams, Kofi Coburn. He's got some impressive guys on that team. And if they're empowering him to step up and say things and get the team together, then that means that this kid's come in and impressed them. He's worked his ass off. He must have earned their respect, Frizz. And that's what it shows right there. Like I said, man, this team, sky's the limit for them. I look forward to seeing Andre Cabello get back. U of I has Arizona coming into Champaign on Saturday. That game is against the 11th rank Arizona Wildcats. So that's going to be a hell of a game. I wish that I could be out there for that one, but you and I will be covering the Windy City Bulls on Saturday. I can't be in two places at one time, ain't Dub. I wish. <laughs> That's going to be a good one, Press. Going to be a good one. But, man, I got to say this, though. Get well soon, Cabello, man. Now, speaking of the Windy City Bulls, they got their second win of the season, A-Dub, on a game-winning shot by Scotty Lindsay. Big-time shot, Press. We lost that first game against them, man, you know, against the Herd. Because, you know, that fourth quarter, they went off on us. We realized this next game that, hey, we weren't going to let that happen. So we were in the game the entire time, man. We weren't letting them get away. And then, boom, Dotson started to heat up a little bit. And then it came down to the wire, man, where Lindsey made that big-time three, man, in transition. So salute to the team on that big win, Press. It was just a great catch-and-shoot look. That's just big-time basketball right there. So to your point, Devon Dotson made a great play. Great play. I'm becoming a big fan of his, Press. You see how he played early in the season to where he's playing now. You can see the change in pushing the tempo even more now, you know, getting everybody involved and making big shots. So Dotson has, man, shown to me that he's been improving, Prince. Well, I mean, you know, he's been going up and down from the big team to back to the G League. So he's getting some time up there with some of those guards on, on that Bulls team. So I'm sure it's been a great experience practicing against Lonzo's and, and your Caruso's and so forth. So He's getting a lot of great experiences. Same thing with Marco Simonovic, who's been called up and down. So what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of these guys, even with Tyler Cook, that experience that they're getting in the NBA, when they come back down to the G League, you're going to start seeing these guys dominating more and more. And that's what's starting to show right now. And these guys taking experience from playing with the big team, coming back down to the G League and showing what they're able to do. And they're actually making a big impact. Those three guys that we're talking about, especially Tyler Cook and Devon Dotson, they have been so impressive. Tyler Cook, man, he has been tearing it up since he's been back down in the G League. Tearing it up. You see him off those screen and rolls, friends, diving to the basket, you know, running the floor hard, getting up with dunks and everything. This guy playing very well in that paint. Dominating in the paint, right? Absolutely. When you look at this Windy City Bulls team, the record's 2-7. and seven. They haven't gotten off to the best start. However... If this is something that Coach Darmasant can get these guys to continue to buy in, he can continue to get these guys that are coming back from the big league team and bring some of that down to this G affiliate, I think they'll be in good shape, A-Dub, because I'm telling you, they got a lot of talent on this team. Yeah, Press, it's starting to work too, man. And you're starting to see these guys playing with a lot of motivation. You see Marco, he's coming back down, playing with motivation. You see Dawson with an extra step in his, extra step in his step. It's like these guys are starting to say, look, I like what we're doing here. I'm growing. I'm developing. I'm learning. Wanting to rub off on the rest of the team. You can see with Tyler Cook how well he's been playing. This guy started to step this game up. So it's working, man. The motivation is there too, Chris. You can see in the look in these guys and how they're playing. Yeah, I think the point that you made, especially when it came to Dotson, is you're seeing that individual growth. That's what the G League's all about. That's why this league was formed. 
And that's exactly what guys like this have to take advantage of those opportunities. And he sure is, along with Tyler Cook and also with Marco Simonovich. That's what you like to see, man. And the good thing is that you and I are going to be watching them again very soon, Perez, to see more of that growth live and in person, brother. Yeah, so audience, as you guys know, not only do we cover University of Illinois basketball in the Big Ten Conference, but we cover Windy City Bulls. So we will be there Saturday at 7 o'clock at Now Arena. There's tickets still available, so if anybody that listens to this show wants to get out there to the arena and see some good basketball, definitely check them out because these guys, they play their asses off. I would tell any of the fans, go check these guys out. They won't disappoint you. Well, speaking of a guy that's playing his ass off right now, DeMar DeRozan was named Eastern Conference Player of the Week, A-Dub, great designation. I talk about it all the time on the show. Everybody said it was an overrated signing when we brought him in here. A lot of people said, oh, man, we paid too much for him. Well, guess what? DeMar DeRozan is basically telling you guys, fuck all of you, because they ain't paying <laughs> me enough. <laughs> <laughs> you right about that, friends. DeRozan is on a mission, friends. Not that he's just on a mission, friends. It's what he's doing in the fourth quarter. He is oh, yeah. carrying this team like, you know what? I'm going to close this shit out. I ain't got time playing around with these opponents, uh-huh. friends. Uh-huh. He's cashing in, and that mid-range is money. It's money. You know, my question for you, A-Dub, and for anybody that, that watches the NBA, what took them so long to give him a player of the week? He's been cooking all season. Right. <laughs> I have no idea what the hell took so long. He's been playing like an MVP candidate all year. He don't get the media attention that Steph Curry, LeBron, and KD get. But his play, in my opinion, is just as good, if not better, than a lot of those guys that we that I just named. Perez DeRozan has been efficient, too, Perez. It's been an efficient score. This dude hasn't really had a bad game, Perez. You know what I'm saying? This guy's been cashing in. He's been closing. And to me, I think that carries a little bit more weight when you see how a guy closed the game out. I got nothing against KD. I give him his props, right? But, man, DeRozan's been closing very well for the Bulls. And you can see it, Perez. Look at the numbers. Numbers don't lie. Who's doing damage in the fourth quarter? You're going to see DeRozan's name come up at the top. Oh, yeah. He's definitely one of the top scorers in the league in the fourth quarter. Now, also, too, for our audience, for them to just kind of think about, DeMar DeRozan is the first Bulls player since Jimmy Butler to be named Player of the Week. Jimmy Butler got that designation back in 2017. So just think about that amount of time that we have had a guy that's performed at the level that a DeMar DeRozan is competing at right now. That's been quite a while. I got to give DeRozan props, man. Glad to see him doing that. Because right now, he's earning his paycheck without a doubt. And that's why I made it bittersweet, because the same day that he was named Eastern Conference Player of the Week, he went on the COVID-19 protocols on the list there. So I don't know if it was because of a positive test. It could have been a false positive. We don't know. But right now, on this team, the Bulls are walking wounded right now. He's out. Kobe White's out. Javante Green is out. Matt Thomas is out. There's so many guys out right now with, with <laughs> due to the COVID protocols. And that's tough yeah. because when you look at this, it's it's tough for your team to continue to withstand these, these games because, okay, we we won against the Knicks. We won against the Nets. And we knocked off the Denver Nuggets, A-Dub. But we did right. that. And that was an impressive game because you did that with having all those guys out and Ayo Dusumu getting his first NBA start and playing his ass off. Man. That kid has been impressive rookie. Prez, we have seen this kid grow from game to game, man. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad he's getting the opportunity to show us something. Unfortunately, this COVID protocol, 
But man, Press, he is delivering. I mean, the kid is playing hard, Press. He's hustling. He's getting blocks. He's getting layups. I mean, he's making shots, Press. He's doing it all, man. So Io coming my favorite, man. And Lana to the shy, to the Bulls. Man, I like what you're doing, kid. There were some fans that had a problem with the fact that when he got announced and it said from Chicago, like they used to do with D-Rose, and I said, you know what? Io deserved that. Let him have that moment. That's a Chicago kid, and I'm so proud of him. So proud of him. Yeah, I'm so proud of him too, Prez. This kid is still getting better. You can see as the games go on, you're starting to see him get better, and he's getting more comfortable out there playing. So I'm grateful to have this kid with the team. I still can't believe he went to the second round. Listen, still the draft, as I keep telling you this. And the one thing, and Billy Donovan said this about I.O. He talked about the fact that he said, I coached this kid hard, and he said, but he can handle it. He responds to it. And he said, he impacts winning. So when you look at his contributions, it goes far beyond the stat sheet. He may not be a top 10 rookie scorer. He probably ain't going to be top 10 in rebounds, assists, or steals. That don't matter. His team is winning as he's impacting success on the court, A-Dub. Yes, he is, man. He's impacting success big time, Press. And he's one of those, those guys who want to do the dirty work, too. He don't mind doing dirty work, Press. He don't mind getting in there trying to get a steal. He don't mind putting his nose in there, taking charge, whatever. This kid, man, is a hustle player. And the other thing I like about him, Press, is that he's willing to play a role. He doesn't mind playing off Busevich, Zach, and DeRozan. He knows his role is. He's going to fulfill it. That's what you like about him as well. And also, I mean, I got to go back to his first start. He had a very balanced box score, right? So look at his numbers, audience, very balanced. But I love the fact that he played 42 minutes that night. That was huge. And that also, that shows Perez right there, it shows trust from the coach. The coach can trust him out there, Perez. 42 minutes is a lot of minutes, right? That is a lot of minutes for a rookie. So Mm -hmm. it just shows, you know, the confidence that coach has in him, man, to send him continue to grow. So I was happy to see I.O. get the minutes. He didn't disappoint either, Press. Did not disappoint us at all. And see, that was the point that I was talking about because we shorthanded. No DeMar. Yep. No Caruso. No Javante. No Kobe White. And the fact that Donovan can look down the bench and say, I'm starting this rookie and be confident that he was going to get the job done. That says a lot about I.L. The kid can't do nothing but go up from here, Press. It's up from here. And what did Donovan say? He said, hey, there might be guys that shoot it better than him. There may be guys who are faster than him, but he said the kids got heart, he competes, and again, impacts winning. That's the ultimate compliment you can get from your head coach. You're definitely right about that, competing. And that's one thing I've always argued about for as anybody. It's like, I don't care how great you are. If you're not going to compete, it don't matter, right? This kid loves the competition. He doesn't shy away from it. He competes every minute that he's on that floor. Okay, so I got to think back to just some plays that have just really impressed me because I have to keep remembering that he's a rookie, a eh, dub So think about in that Celtics game earlier in the season, the three-pointer he hit that start that run where he knocked down that 19-point lead that the Celtics had. That was a big-time play. Big that time, cha- yep. That chase-down block that he had against the Nets, huge. Huge block. That chase-down block was a shocker for me. So I was like, I didn't see it coming, Perez. You're like, okay, he's still young, still learning the game, right? But he was like, you know what? I don't care if I'm a rookie or not. I want to win. I want to win. That's what you call a winning play, right, Perez? He go out there and get a block. I was like, wow. He didn't cool in the play, Perez. Went up and got it. You talked about the fact of why he dropped in the draft to the second round. You know why that is. These NBA teams, they will penalize a guy that stays in school. 
So Io stayed to his junior year in college. And I don't think the scouts thought that he has an elite skill set. But see, that's why people in this league have to look at a guy and go beyond athleticism and the eye test and numbers and, and right. this and that. Because Io does, he might not do everything great. If he gets out there in that court, you're getting maximum effort from him, Maydun. You are getting maximum effort. That effort piece, for is you, you hit it on the head right there, that maximum effort. How many young guys as rookies give you maximum effort on defense, for is I'm not even talking about offense. I'm talking about defense. Io was doing that. And think about it. Now, they want to penalize the guy in the draft because, oh, man, he's an older prospect. He's at a certain ceiling. Well, guess what? Right. That maturity that he's coming in here on this Bulls team, that's exactly what this team needed because the Bulls are ready to compete now. This guy right. right here is the best fit for this type of team because he's mature, he's ready for the moment, man. And he has that Swiss Army Knife skill set. So, yeah, it may not be elite, but he got a lot of tools in that toolkit. And I like what you just said there, Briss. You said this guy fits this team. You are totally right, Briss. And see how he plays with, you know, Vooch and, and DeRose and Zach. He actually fits, so he complements them very well. Lonzo Ball, you see him and Lonzo Ball on the court together. It's like, man, you guys really play off each other, not even knowing they're thinking about it that way, but they just competing hard, so hard together, Press The piece of the puzzle mix, it works. So, yeah, man, I, I, you hit a good point with that. He fits this team because he really does. And one what, what of the things that I said when we when we talked about the Bulls drafted I.L., I said in college he had the tendency of not taking care of the ball. I said he sometimes let his dribble get away from him. However, right. when you see him now, he takes care of the basketball, he hustles and transition a dub, and he is not afraid to do the dirty work. It's just amazing to see a rookie come in. And also, not only get the respect of his coaches, but listen to how his, his teammates talk about him. Lonzo Ball gave him kudos about the fact of how he gets in there and plays. You getting praise from veterans on this team who likes what you're doing as a rookie. They see your effort. They see what you do on the court, right, Perez? And you had a good point. You talked about, you know, with them in transitions. I love how you went in transition. I'm not even lying to you, Perez. I saw him finish one of those plays, man, in transition for a layup. I believe he gets the next. I was like, that's a nice-ass move in the fourth quarter, man. This mm-hmm. kid. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, this kid can ball, man. And um, the bright lights don't scare him, Perez. They really don't. They don't scare him at all. He's built for it. And they asked him, they're like, man, what's been your mindset? And he was just like, man, you got to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And I love that. Yes. <laughs> I love that quote, friends. But this is a rookie quote saying this, man. A rookie saying that, man. Staying ready. And you know what? He has, his ass has been staying ready. Yes, he has. And as I, as I mentioned with Caruso being out, and you and I talked about on the last couple of episodes, along with D.C., the importance of Caruso on the team. So now you have a team now that you can bring Io off the bench with Caruso, and they have that energy, and they can harass the shit out of these opposing offenses. Like, this is just a luxury that we have with this team, and it's just amazing. Javante Green is another guy that could get after yeah. people. So we got so many weapons on this team. I mean, come on. <laughs> We're fortunate, Please. man. People may not agree with me. I don't care. But this is what I look at. I look at a team like a Bulls team. I think they're a championship-caliber team, friends, because I think they have all the ingredients. You mentioned the best players, right? You talked about Green, Io, Caruso. These are guys who are consistently doing well off the bench, friends. You got your bench. You got your firepower with your star power, friends. You got a good coach. What more do you need besides defense, right? And these guys play defense as well. So this Bulls team, friends, I'm going to land, man. They had championship kind of a team, whether people respect it or not. They'll see. I mean, look at it. They knocked off the Nets. 
Uh, some people sit here and try to tell me, oh, well, Kyrie's still not there. Well, I don't care about Kyrie. They still got KD, and I think KD the best player on the on the planet, and right. they beat them. They beat the exactly. Knicks. We own the Knicks. <laughs> hey, man. Sam's losing the rest of that hell on top of his head seeing the Bulls beat them, man. <laughs> Look, hey, hey, Tim's like that. Remember that boxer on, on, on Mike Tyson punch out, wasn't it? Don Flamico? Yeah. He kept beating his ass and he kept getting balder and balder. <laughs> That's, That's fucking Tim's right now. <laughs> no doubt at all, man. The more the bulls punch at Tim's, man, the more he looked like that. <laughs> no doubt. But no, I got to give Io his props and audience. I know a lot of you guys like and support U of I basketball. So I'm sure you guys saw the announcement. Io Dusumu is having his jersey retired January 6th in Champaign in the game against Maryland. Get out there and support. And we got to represent for this kid. Huge accomplishment. And this is why I thought it was such a great decision when Io pulled out of the draft a year ago, went back to college for his junior year, because he put himself in position for this moment that he's in right now. He put himself in a great moment that he's in right now with his jersey. What's happening with his jersey being retired? Hey, that's awesome, man. The kid earned it. He put the work in, came back to school, put more work in, right? We're going back to school, continue to get better, work on some of his skills, and now look where he's at now. Playing for his hometown, man. A good situation to where he's winning. Yeah, and then just think about it on top of this, A-Dub. He's a legend in Champaign. And this is why a lot of times people don't even realize that you could go to your home state school. And this is why I wish more of our homegrown talent goes down to Champaign because look what Io did. He took a chance on Illinois. Yep. And he's going to be a legend for the rest of his life in Champaign. This man will never have to buy another meal when he goes to that town. <laughs> Not at all, friends. This should be a message sent to those big-time ballers in Chicago. You see Io. Io is the proof that you can stay home and still be successful and get to the pros. So you're right, Chris. That should be a message sent out, man. And I hope guys are looking at Io like, man, as a blueprint saying, you know what? Why not, Illinois? Why not? That's right. Why not? So I love that. I love that. Sorry, right, A-Dub. Well, before we get out of here, we got to talk about these Chicago Bears. It's Packers week. So we got to get into <laughs> it. Now, we know Aaron Rodgers had a lot of little slick shit to say in week six when he came in here. <laughs> and I really hope that Matt Nagy has that team fired up to face this guy. I mean, honestly, four and eight, we're going nowhere fast. However, we could play the role of spoiler. And we can just be that irritating fucking uh, younger sibling. So in this game, we got to fucking do everything we can to irritate Aaron Rodgers. I want Aaron Rodgers to be making all those little stupid faces that he be making when he gets annoyed out there on the field. I want to see Robert Quinn put him on his butt, man. I really do. Robert Quinn lay a hard hit on him, man. Give me one, Robert Quinn. We know that this coach, there's been a lot of rumors swirling around his head about his job. They they were saying, hey, he's going to get fired after the Lions game. We found out that that may or may not have been true, but it didn't happen. There's people saying, oh, if they lose to the Packers, he may get fired. No one really knows when it's going to happen, but I think it's going to happen. When I think back to the Matt Nagy era, A-Dub, and it's been an awful one, there's certain losses that he's had, and I'm like, ooh, when they look at his tombstone of why he got fired as a Bears coach, these losses are going to be on that tombstone. And the one that really sticks out in my mind, thinking back to 2019 when we played against the Saints. Now, the 2018 season, we were coming off a 12-4 season, and we were a Super Bowl favorite. You guys know what happened with the kick. Don't need to talk about that anymore. However, 
in that game against the Saints, we fucking got that ass whooped. This is also the infamous game <laughs> where Mitch Trubisky threw the ball 54 fucking times. Ooh. Ooh. We ran the ball only seven times. And the media was asking him, well, damn, why don't you run the ball? <laughs> he says, I'm not an idiot. I know we got to run the ball more. Well, Matthew, why didn't you? The thing is, friends, he didn't really ask the question. He didn't answer the question. Why did you? I know you need to run the football more, duh. But why didn't you, though? He still didn't ask the question, though. Not running the football that game was like, wow. Another one that just stands out to me is, and I was at this game just like I was at the other one, but this the Kansas City Chiefs game, this is also a 2019 game. Now, you guys know that Brian Pace passed up Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes to draft Mitch Trubisky. So he basically traded up to get Mitch and passed on those two guys. So Correct. this was this was Patrick Mahomes' first opportunity to play against the Bears. And while he didn't necessarily light us up, but he had a couple touchdowns in the game. And I remember on one touchdown in particular, he counted on his hand to the draft pick that he went in the draft. <laughs> and in that matchup, I said, this is going to be another one of those times that Ryan Pace is going to have to be faced with the fact of what he did in that draft. Because I don't care how you slice it up. He fucked up, and that was just yet another reminder of not only his inadequacy, but then also, too, in this game, (laughs) Matt Nagy was just awful from a place-calling standpoint. It was just awful. It was a blowout. It was an awful game. Awful game. That's when you realize, Chris, at that moment that Nagy struggled with play-calling. You kind of got a glimpse of it at that point, like, hey, this guy don't know what the hell he's doing when he calls these plays, man. And what we see over the years, friends, it just got worse and worse and worse when Nagy called him plays. Yeah, because that's <laughs> when he was doing his little cute shit. And that was yep. the thing. The fans <laughs> were like, uh-uh, get rid of this play calling. But you know what? He didn't get rid of it that season. He waited to the following nope. season to get rid of the damn play calling. Exactly. Exactly. He was like, hold on, dude. You've been screwing up for a minute with the play calling. And he even decided to get play calling again this year, friends, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, hey. I got to also call out that playoff game against the Saints last year. We lost in that game. That was Mitch Trubisky's final game as a Bear. But think about that one. Poor offensive showing. The defense wasn't able to keep the offense in the game. And this was the game that you and I even talked about on DBE, A-Dub. We said we felt like Matt Nagy got back into the play calling because to even get into the playoffs that season, Laser took it over. They got on a bit of a run. That right, game right. against the Saints, they didn't get anything going. And also, this was the game where fucking stupid-ass Anthony Miller punched Gardner Johnson. I hate that fucking guy. However, yeah, that was the freaking much, that was the end of fucking Anthony Miller in the Bears uniform. They just, they were fucking done with him and his stupidity. Yeah, Anthony Miller, you say you call him a good name, can't get right. He wasn't all the way that mentally pressed. Something's no. going to do to get himself off his game, and it showed at the wrong time in the playoffs. That's the one place you don't want to screw up in which he did. It did seem like he had his hands in that same game, friends. It yeah. really did look like Nagy was calling those plays. Man, I'm like, you know what? That run play, ah, that's a Nagy type of move right there. That passing play, ah, that's something Nagy would do. <laughs> so it looked like he was all involved in that, man. They only converted one third down in that game. Only one third down they converted. That's off. They didn't Very even move awful. the ball until the final drive of the game when Mitch threw that lucky-ass touchdown to Jimmy Graham with no time left. And I'm like, Wonk, wonk, wonk. Who cares? It's too late, man. 
It was a bad game for the offense for sure, Fred. Very bad game. I got two more games, A-Dope. The Browns game from this season. This was Justin Fields' first career start. Now, we were 1-1. One one. We were traveling to Cleveland for this game. This game was hyped up. It was. And in this game, we saw Justin Fields get killed. We lost 26-6. to six. Justin Fields had one net yard passing. At this point, this is from when, this, and I've already been anti-Matthew, but it was in this moment where I was like, this guy's a motherfucking moron. And it also lets you believe that he probably didn't even want Justin Fields to even start that game because the way that he was calling plays, it was almost like he was like a petulant little child. Like, I didn't get my way. The owner's telling me who I need to put out there. I'm going to show him. He left him out on the island by himself, Chris. Like, look, do what you got to do, kid. You on your own. You're going to figure it out. And at that point, seeing that, seeing Justin Fields take all those hits, Chris, all those sacks, I'm like, Maggie, do you really want to injure him? And they're already taking this much punishment. That was a tough game to watch, Chris. I felt bad for Justin Fields after that game. I really did. I said we did him a disservice. A disservice no, that we, game. No, we did. And this is when he gave up the play call on supposedly the Bill Lazor. But I think that he did because that's when we went on that two-game winning streak, right? So we right. won two in a row after that. However, in that game, I talked about it before with you. I said, why is it that Nagy didn't go over and talk to his rookie quarterback? He saw that he was struggling. He saw that he was having a bad game. Andy Dalton and Nick Foles were the ones that were over there talking to the kid, making sure that's that true. he was you know, kind of keeping himself in the right mindset. Your head coach right. is sitting over there with that goddamn Denny's menu sheet that I hate. I know Justin Fields is a tough kid, but you're right. Nagy don't go over there to talk to him, to help him out, give him some words of encouragement, friends. That's a bad look on your head coach. A really bad one, especially after a game like that, Chris. Especially seeing that kid take all those hits, right? You need to go talk to that rookie. Let him know that, hey, the rest of these games is not going to be like this. <laughs> say something. Yeah, say something. Because then, I got to say, the game this season that I thought was the worst game in the Matt Nagy era, and that's the game against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Me, you, and Big Dave, we pulled up and watched that one. I think D.C. was there, too. That was an embarrassment. We lost 38-3 to in that game. Justin Fields had five turnovers. This was the game where they showed Justin Fields on the sideline, and he just looked distraught. Yes. It was awful. That's not how you want to see. That's not how you want your franchise quarterback, your quarterback wanting to be looking in a football game. He looked like, man, what the hell am I playing for right now? That game was over with Perez in the first half. It was over, man. Yeah. And you can see the game was a wrap. You and I start talking about something else, man. You, I, Big Dave, D.C., we start going on a different path because the game was already over with at that point. But seeing that look on Justin Fields' face, friends, that did not look good at all. Nagy should be ashamed of himself for that particular game for sure. Listen, the offensive line was awful. The They just couldn't get anything going. That was an all-time low for, for Matt Nagy. And, and honestly, audience, these games that I've mentioned, these are games that when I think about when Matt Nagy gets fired at the end of the season, these are the games that I'm going to say, this is why, this is why, this is why, this is why. And I'm not sitting here saying that I'm wishing for somebody to be fired, but I want to fucking win. I know that he's a nice guy. Everybody keeps telling him, hey, Matt's a nice guy. That's great. But I want to win some fucking football games. So if the head coach is an asshole, I'm okay with it. Let's win some fucking games. And that's what's about the day-to-day press winning. It's about winning. And Nagy has not gotten that job done. Before we get out of here, audience, you guys saw on Twitter, we were doing the Ayo Desumu autograph photo giveaway. 
We are huge IO fans on this podcast. IO is that dude. So we did a random drawing before we went on the show here. And congratulations to the blonde Mexican. Her Twitter handle is at Shy73Girl. You are the winner of the IO DeSumo autograph photo. We'll be in contact with you to get your shipping information. We can get that sent over to you. So congratulations to you on that prize. Congratulations, young lady. Final segment time, A-Dub. If this city could talk. So audience, as you guys know, Christmas is fast approaching. And there are many organizations out here that are looking to give back to those that are in need. So ChildLink is one of those organizations. They're a local agency here in Chicago that assists foster children here in the Chicagoland area. And they're holding their annual toy drive. So if this city could talk, it would say go to childlink.org and check out what they do and get involved in whatever way that you're able to. Remember, it takes a village. Well said. If this city can talk, it will say, hey, enjoy the lights. Enjoy the Christmas trees. Y'all downtown, throughout the neighborhoods, they look gorgeous. Get into the Christmas spirit. A lot of things has happened over the year, COVID, jobs, etc. This is a good time to be excited for and to be thankful. Enjoy these Christmas lights. Enjoy this, the things that comes with Christmas. So if you're walking down the street or driving down the street, Take a stop and just look at that big old Christmas trees. They're out there, you know, downtown Chicago. Hey, well said, hey, Dub. Take it in. Enjoy it. It's the little things in life. These are the moments in life that are free. Just enjoying things like Christmas lights and the holidays and being around loved ones and being around your family and friends. This is the shit that matters. So to a Dub's point, take it in. Enjoy it. And just be thankful for the fact that we're all above ground and we can enjoy beautiful sights like that. Absolutely, prayers, giving back. This is one of the perfect times to give back to the community or whoever, man, to make them have a good Christmas, a good holiday. And you're nothing wrong with having a good holiday spirit. That's right. That's right. Well, audience, as always, this show is brought to you by Crave It. Join us on our exclusive community at Chicago Versus. You can connect with us on either the Apple or Android application on Crave It. This is the Chicago State of Mind podcast. Thanks for listening. And we are out. You asked all my teammates, one thing about Michael Jordan was he never asked me to do something that he didn't fucking do. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way.